Welcome to The Hoop Commitment. I'm your host, Mike Nielsen. Join me every month to get inside the greatest minds in basketball nutrition, training, and leadership to elevate your game and improve the way you eat, train, and lead. Welcome to episode 108. Registration just closed on the new Hooptown League, and we have 3,000 kids signed up. It's so cool to see every superintendent, athletic director, and high school coach in the Spokane area step up to save youth basketball. It's really sad to hear that this problem is actually happening all over the nation. The Wall Street Journal just ran an article last week on how high school girls basketball has lost 19% of its players since 2002. And they gave a variety of possible reasons why this is happening. But I believe the number one cause is super teams and youth leagues. Consolidating the best players in the city on one or two teams works great for spring and summer travel ball. It's so fun for kids to get exposed to competition outside their city and see firsthand that there's another level for them to reach. And I'm a huge fan of super teams playing against super teams. But when a super team plays in a local league, no one wins. And so I'm so excited to say that 3,000 Spokane area kids will be placed on teams with like-skilled players that they'll eventually go to high school with. And to kick off the league, 10 of our local high schools hosted a free skills clinic last weekend with their varsity staffs, and the feedback has been awesome. My little fourth grade son, Memphis, had a blast playing lightning and dribble war with kids from the surrounding six elementary schools that feed into Ferris. And next weekend, the men's and women's basketball staffs at Gonzaga, Whitworth, and Eastern Washington University are hosting a free youth basketball coaching clinic for coaches and parents at Gonzaga's McCarthy Athletic Center. We'll have three breakout sessions for kindergarten through second grade players, third through sixth grade rec players, and third through sixth grade competitive players so the college coaches can share skills and drills that are age appropriate. And then we'll finish the clinic with a panel discussion with our college coaches titled, How Our Best Players Were Supported by Coaches and Parents. Every coach and parent who attends this clinic will leave with sample practice plans and a tool bag full of drills. If you're living in the Spokane area, please come check it out. And if you want to learn more about the Hooptown Youth League and get details on the free coaching clinic, go to hooptownusa.com. Now, this month's episode is all about functional training for basketball. Cliff Spiller is the Director of Strength Conditioning for Men's Basketball at the University of Oregon. Prior to joining the Duck staff, he was an assistant with the NBA's Utah Jazz. And we became friends to the Gray Institute's 40-week fellowship in applied functional science. So I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about functional training for hoops. In this episode, Cliff shares how to coach and design programs in the spectrum between traditional and functional, the importance of variability, and how he's preparing his college players for the next level. Here's Cliff Spiller. Cliff, welcome to the Hoop Commitment Podcast. How you doing? Yeah, I'm great, man. I appreciate you having me on today. I'm so excited to have you here. And first off, congrats on the new position. How has the first few weeks been going in Oregon? It's been great. First and foremost, it's been a whirlwind. It's been a fun whirlwind. It's kind of coming in, in the ground running. Guys have been awesome. You know, they've been training their butts off. 
getting prepared. They really enjoyed, you know, the new training element I bring to the table. You know, they love hearing my stories and, you know, my views on the NBA. So they always, they always pick my brain on that. You know, it's been, it's been great so far, man. I'm really enjoying it. Well, let's start there. You've been at a few different teams throughout the NBA system. I'd love to hear about your experience, how you got there, and then eventually what brought you to Oregon. For me, I'll start with the beginning, and I always start with the story when people ask me, hey, like, how'd you get to the NBA or how'd you get involved in the strength conditioning? So for me, it started back in high school, believe it or not. My junior year, we were in state playoff game, and it, we played four quarters, and then we go into four overtime. So I remember being matched up against this football player, you know, again, wasn't much better than me, but he was just stronger, moving me out of my space, moving me out of my spot. So we ended up losing the game, unfortunately, but I go up to my dad after the game and I'm like, yeah, this can't happen anymore. I'm getting tired of being pushed around. I got to get stronger. I got to get stronger. So soon after this season and about to think the same week, I got in the weight room, started training with the football players, you know, literally just doing whatever they're doing. I didn't really care. I just wanted to get stronger. That kind of carried over into, you know, AAU where I, I saw my body change. I saw like the, the adaptations created. Uh, I think that kind of helped play a part with me getting the scholarship because just, you know, I was physically a little more, not imposing, but I was strong. I was able to compete at a high level AAU. So flash forward, I go to Wagner, tender all four years. My last year, you know, as I'm about to graduate, I had an exiting with my coach and he talked to me into getting into coaching. You know, I knew I wanted to work in sports, but I didn't know what capacity. So I thought I'd get coaching a try. So soon after I graduated, you know, I got a part-time job. And I was also like volunteering at the local high schools and my OAU team. Did that for a couple of years and then ended up working at a basketball academy for about a year. Soon after that, ended up getting you know, a regular job working at, you know, one of the casinos back home in Atlantic City. While I was working there, I ended up getting back into strength conditioning, like just lifting in general, really. Like, you know, obviously through bodybuilding, started doing that. And then ended up learning that I can make that into a career. So, you know, got certified as a personal trainer, started working at a local gym, just training athletes, like just starting training kids with their running mechanics and the speed training. And then discovered that, oh, like I can actually work in a team setting. So Ended up reaching out to a bunch of different schools in the area. You know, at the same time, I was pursuing teaching. So I reached out to a lot of schools in the Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, Delaware, Maryland area. When I was in school working one day, one of the teachers gave me a contact to a, a strength coach at the nearby university. And uh, once I got his contact, I literally almost, I don't want to say use the word harassed, but I, I emailed this guy every week, just wanted to go and talk shop, be a fly on this wall literally all the time where well, we met up a few times. We talked shop. I talked about what, you know, what I was looking to do, like what master programs are looking. I was like really trying to break into the field where one day he reaches, and you know, one day I reach out to him and he emailed me back like, Hey, there's a guy I'm looking for. The 76 are looking for an intern. Would you be interested? And I'm like, sure. Like kind of nervously. Cause like at the time I didn't have my CSCS or anything. I was like, what were they looking for? And he's like, I don't know, but email this guy. So this is exactly that email the assistant at the time. And then ended up having a phone conversation with him from that phone conversation and led me to get an in-person interview, which I interviewed with Todd Wright at the time, who just um, got the job there. And me and Todd just hit it off in his interview, you know, asking me questions about my family, my first job, not so much about what I knew about training or anything like that, just really just getting to know me. So we hit it off. After that, they, they were going to let me know what, what this decision was going to be. A week went by, I kind of followed up. I heard from the assistant. He said they're going to push the decision to the next week. 
next week comes. So I hear from the assistant again. He's like, okay, nothing yet. We're going to push it back to the following week. And then the following week comes, I don't hear anything. Okay. Then the next week comes, I reach out and say, hey, just want to know if you guys made a decision. I'm very interested in, you know, working for you guys. And the assistant at the time has said, not sure what's going on. Um, I'll keep you posted. You know, this is like kind of late August. So I'm kind of like, okay, I'm no, I don't know what's going on. So I need to figure out what's the next move. So started looking at internships, with, which, which landed me at a small university in New Jersey called Mammoth, which I um, interned there for about two months. While I was interning, I was traveling to different schools in the area, just meeting your strength staff and getting a tour of the facilities. You know, one day I was actually visiting Seton Hall and I get a voicemail and it's from the same assistant. He had let me know that if you haven't found anything, you know, I recommend you look for something else. So I'm like, all right, no big deal. I, I took a good shot at it. So I'm got, I got something going on. I'm just working my way up from there. But one day I'm actually leaving Mammoth and I overhear on the radio that the Sixers are holding training camp at that same school that I was bugging the strength coach at back home in New Jersey. So I bring it up to my dad, like, hey, the Sixers are having training camp at Stockton. And he's like, you know, you just interviewed for one. I just reach out and see if you can help. Maybe watch training camp for the week. I'm like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. So I reached out to the same assistant and let him know that, hey, like I overheard on the radio that you guys are having training camp at Stockton. I literally live like 10 minutes away. Is there any way I could come by, maybe watch training camp or even help out any way I can? You know, the same assistant mentioned that he was no longer with the team, but he passed me along Todd's email. So I reached out to Todd to, hey, my name is I'm Cliff Spiller. I interviewed with you on a certain date. I heard you guys are having training camp at this day and time. Um, is there any way to come by to help out and watch? And he said, appreciate you reaching out. I'd love for you to come by. He gave me his number and told me to come at this day and time. So it came at the day and time, like he said, and then met up with him. And the first words out of his mouth was, you know, I appreciate you reaching out to me. I can use your help. You know, I messed up on a lot of logistics. So ended up, you know, watching training camp during the week meeting some of the coaches, some of the staff, you know, once the breakdown, what was going on, started helping out, things like that. Then got invited to the facility in Philly, was there. And pretty much I was brought on for intern for the year, you know, was fortunate, you know, did a really good job. Was fortunate, you know, Todd brought me back for his second year. And then from there, that led me to getting promoted to the G League spot. At the time, it was called 87 there, but then they, they changed it recently to Delaware Bluecoats. So then, once my time in Philly was up, I saw an opportunity to go out to Phoenix. Phoenix was revamping their staff and, you know, revamping their G League. So they probably provided me with an opportunity, but that was the same year as COVID. And then going back home, I was staying with my now fiance. She was living in Delaware, so we we're staying there together. And I was waiting to see what was going to happen. Like the G League season was already canceled, but there was talks about a bubble possibly. So I was kind of waiting to see what happened. But during the pandemic, I just didn't want to sit on my hands and wait for something. So I decided to enroll in massage school. Might have been risky at the time with a, a virus, but it ended up you know, working out in the long run. And then during that time, I was reaching out to some people, my network colleagues and then NBA colleagues in the college, and then ended up getting opportunity with the Utah Jazz for about two seasons. Maybe a month ago, I get a text from the former strength coach at the University of Oregon reaching out to me and said, hey, would you have any interest in a P5 job making six figures? I'm like, of course. So I ended up being here. So talked to Coach Altman, was able to get on campus, meet some of the coaches, meet some 80s. You know, he really sold me on living in Oregon, working for the university. And I just thought it provided me a great opportunity to not only be a leader and be a provider of performance for young athletes, but 
take my experiences from the NBA and blend them into a, a holistic and comprehensive training program to help the next generation of prospects, you know, make it to the next level, wherever that may be. What were some of your favorite things about being in the NBA? Were there aspects of NBA strength conditioning that really fit well with your personality? I love that some situations allow them to test your creativity. Um, yeah, I work with a lot of smart and really talented practitioners, so I learned a whole bunch of different modalities and different practices. And one of my favorite parts is always getting introduced to new technology. Whether we use it or not, but just currently in, in Oregon, I can circle back to it. Again, I think the biggest thing I love was just collaborating with people from different backgrounds, like PTs, ATCs, you know, LMTs, like sports scientists. When I got into the league, sports science started really becoming a big driver and component of NBA. So the biggest component I really love was just like the different people I encountered, you know, obviously traveling, even though it was extensive, traveling different parts of the country, traveling out of the country, meeting players where they're at and training them there. That's one of the things I really enjoy, you know, just the people and just the ability to travel and see part of this country. What are you most excited about now working at the college level? I think the biggest thing for me is just seeing the fruits of your labor, working with a guy for X amount of years and just seeing his body transform, seeing the transformation, whether it be like physically, mentally, or just emotionally, just being with a guy and just kind of building that relationship. College is fun. It's a fun atmosphere. Like you're playing for so much more bigger than yourself. The name in front of the jersey, representing your ambassador to the school. Like all right now I'm an ambassador to the University of Oregon. So like, that's one of the biggest things I'm excited about is just representing the school best way I can, but also helping these guys get where they need to be. You know, that's the biggest thing I look at coaching is like taking people value, getting where they need to go. Yeah, it's got to be fun too, knowing that a lot of those guys coming in, you're going to be with them for four or five years. And so you really can see them develop from 18 to 22. And I'm sure you probably have yeah. some in the NBA, but a lot of those guys either are developed or they might be traded throughout the year. What I wanted to talk today about is functional training. And we talked a little bit off the podcast about it's kind of a buzzword and people have strong opinions, whether they believe in functional training or they hate functional training. But I would love to be able to just find out for you, what does functional training for basketball mean? If you look at basketball, if you look at sport in general, it's a series of like different squats and lunges and reaches, you know, all perform in three planes of motion. So I think about that, you, you look at it from a perspective of like, what's the task and then how do we train the athlete to get better at that task? You know, I don't know if it was recorded or not. We talked about like functional being buzzword, being having a negative connotation. I think people always picture it as like doing something wonky on a medicine ball or physio ball, BOSU ball, right? They're doing a squat, like different lunges or something off of that where it deems unsafe, but realistically like, if you're training different movement patterns, like basic move patterns that we learn, like a push, pull, squat, lunge, hinge, but then you add in a component where it challenges the athlete, whether it be like adding a different external stimulus, whether it comes through like a viper or comes through a dumbbell or a med ball or challenging the direction or the position where it kind of helps transfer to the game, whether sport they make play, basketball, whatever. That's what I deem as functional. And I think if you keep that mindset, when I'm doing what I'm training is for, does it offer a transfer to the sport? Does it offer, you know, if you're working with clients, does it offer transfers to everyday life? Is it going to help this woman get out of bed? Is it going to help the woman be able to reach to the shelves and not injure herself? Or is it going to help the, you know, the older gentleman walk up 
the stairs carrying a bunch of groceries. So I think functional is, you know, kind of define it, you know, something that replicates like everyday task and then, you know, performing that task, we're getting, you know, the individual, the athlete or the client better in that task. So that's kind of a long way to answer, but that's kind of my broad centrality of function. I don't think it's function is a dynamic or crazy looking exercise. I think about it. Hey, how does this transfer to sport? How does this transfer to everyday life? Well, we're both fellows of applied functional science. What interested you in the gift program? Who turned you on to it? Why did you decide to do that 40-week fellowship? I've been very fortunate to have some great mentors, especially during my time with the 76ers. I worked with Todd Wright, Tador Pandolf, both of our gift fellows. And, you know, they've created an environment where it allowed me to be curious, you know, ask questions and just constantly learn. So during my time, you know, the Sixers are very aggressive as far as like, allowing the employees to go through continuing education. So during my time there, I was exposed, you know, certified um, applied functional science, 3D maps. So Sixers saw value in me, saw hard work and dedication. So they presented an opportunity for me to take gift. So I just took advantage of it. So that's how I got exposed to it, just through like hearing Todd and Tador talking about it and just really taking a ownership of my learning. And it just it, it presented an opportunity. So I just, again, took advantage of it. Or some of the biggest takeaways that you took from that program. Obviously, you, you went in, you'd already been exposed to the 3D maps or the CAFS, but you come in, you have this idea of what it is. What were some of the big takeaways, some of the things that you didn't know? How complex and how unique the human body is. And then just the more I learn about it, the more amazing I find it to be. And takeaway from that was just kind of having more of an understanding of the, the science of like the biological sciences, like how the body chain reaction mechanics work, you know, the physical sciences and the behavior sciences. So when I'm coaching my athletes or I'm prescribing exercise, I have an answer or I have a reasoning as why we're doing it. And also because of my working experience in the NBA and my playing experience in college, I'm able to transfer to the game. But I think the biggest takeaway was just being in a 40 week program of like-minded individuals, and the community that comes with that and just you know, knowing that I made lifelong relationships with individuals where I know like, I can look at Facebook group or look on the portal and look up a gift fellow here in Oregon or even when I was in Utah or even back home, Jersey or Pennsylvania, just, hey, like can we reach out to so grab dinner, grab a coffee or just let me bounce some ideas off of you. So I think that's the biggest takeaway was just the community that came with it for me. I felt the same way. I thought I was going there for the information and what I really left is all the relationships. I mean, just the idea that you and I get to be able to connect over Zoom and be able to chat and just be friends right away because we have that common shared experience has been, to me, it's been priceless. And I'd love to find out, mm -hmm. we talked about what function is. What does that look like in your training program? The average person is going to look at strength conditioning and they're going to think bench, squat, clean, lunge. And they're going to say, well, what's the difference between a football training program and a basketball training program? And so I would just ask you, how are you making your strength conditioning program at Oregon functional for your guys for the game of basketball? Like I mentioned earlier, game of basketball and even football for that matter, even sport is a series of different squats, lunges and reaches and different planes of motion. Part of my job as a strength coach is not only to serve my athletes, but to help them be prepared for the demands of a sport. And, you know, how I make my program very functional, you know, just putting my athletes in different various squat patterning, whether it's changing their foot positioning, giving them different external loads like vipers, sandals, dumbbells, med balls, 
challenging the core muscular drill with different presses or reaches, you know, same applies to different lunges, like different lunging patterns, challenging the vectors, you know, using like the same tools that challenge their um, trunk stability, their strength, their rotational power, you know, even attaching to a band or bungee core and working on accelerated or decelerated properties. But biggest beneficial I see to like a functional training-based program, especially for the game of basketball, training athletes in unusual and awkward positions kind of helps prepare the tissue, especially the tissue tolerance and challenges the nervous system. So if they ever find themselves in these precarious positions in the game of basketball in high speed and high force, the tissue tolerance can withstand the demands of that. And also like the nervous system kind of recognize like, oh, like this typically will be viewed as a compromising position. Our body is not compromised because we trained in these different various lunging, squatting, various patterns where it mitigates the potential risk for injury. So that's how I look at it as like just kind of challenging the you know musculoskeletal system in different angles, different patterns, different directions, different speeds, different loads, and just building that comprehensive tissue power so like they can withstand. So you know the game of basketball is very unpredictable. I tell these guys, sometimes you got to perform similar like movement qualities, but in a control setting, which is a weight room. So you can have that mobility, flexibility, that length under tension, right? How are you balancing the traditional that we, we've kind of talked about, the squat, the lunge, the press, with some of the other things you talked about with like the awkward positions or some of the cool exercises that we might see on social media? Are there certain periods throughout the year where you're focusing on one versus the other? Are you doing all of that? within the similar workout, how do you kind of look at the spectrum between traditional and maybe what a society might look and say is functional training? Well, I believe training must incorporate both authentic movement and traditional strength. I think training is on a spectrum. One side is functional, one side is traditional. I think coaches make the mistake on spending too much time on one side where I think you got to meet somewhere in the middle. And I feel like the best athletes are the best at controlling the spears while executing skills to achieve the task. And social media has become submersed with flashy exercises. You know, I feel like trainers or coaches are on there to stir the pot or sometimes to cause drama. But, you know, for me, when I look at these different flashy exercises, you know, I always ask myself these questions like, why are they being performed? Like, how are they being performed? What's the return on investment? Like, ROI? What athletes could it benefit? What athletes could it harm? You know, how can I fit this into my career program? Like, do I have the space? Do I have the equipment for it? Functional training for me is all year round, essentially. And I break my programming up to where you know, I have a block where it's called loaded movement, where we, we're just moving with load. And then the next phase we're going into is more of a realization phase, which is more of a heavy plyometric phase, which is kind of working the capacity of demands of what these guys are going to face in this upcoming season. So for me, I do a blend of both really all year round. And I just tweak my phases based on all right, what these guys need to hit at this current time. How important is variability in your program design? You just mentioned a squat and then you talked about changing foot patterns and you talked about speeds and you talked about using a Viper or a med ball or a dumbbell. I mean, I think just with those five variables, you have endless combinations. How important is that when you're training athletes to have that stimulus? I think it's very important, honestly, because like I mentioned earlier, the human body is complex in these variety. Anybody who doesn't know might want to look up Wolf's Law and Davis Law. And basically that's 
the force and vectors you put in the soft tissue and bone, that's the line of force they laid out and, you know, ossify and get strong. No two athletes are the same, for me at least. So I don't think program should look the same for them. It should cater to what the individual and individual needs of that athlete. And how do you balance that? You have 13 to 15 guys on your team that we all know are basketball players. And so at one hand, they have a similar demand placed on them and similar need to transfer. But then you also know that they have different histories, backgrounds. They're so unique. How do you balance the two? Most times, I don't have everybody at once. So I'm fortunate enough to work with a great sports science department. And I'm able to bucket guys based on what we see from our force testing results. Biggest challenge at this level I'm learning is just scheduling. For me, that's how I keep a balance, making sure I get the guys, I individualize their workouts. Even if I got all 13 guys or 15 guys, five out of those guys may be doing a program that's working under death. Another program is working for guys to create more power output. Two or three of the guys may need a combination of both. So honestly, I think the balance is understanding your athletes, learning their bodies, understanding their needs, and individualizing to their needs, really. And, you know, I think the biggest thing coaches make mistakes is just kind of giving everybody the same program but not understanding what they need from a physical language standpoint, but like understanding what, what they enjoy, what, you know, what are their goals? Like one of the biggest questions I asked when I was meeting these guys individually is like, hey, like, how do you want to get better in this room? What can we do to get it better? And it just listening to them, you know, taking some notes and just kind of taking the information they gave me, taking the information I got from force plates, making a holistic approach of meeting down the middle. I'm just thinking about the amount of buy-in that that must create from the guys. If they get to sit down with you and know that their training program design is going to make them a better basketball player, not just globally, but them individually. Have you seen a lot of buy-in from the guys just knowing that you're doing that individual program design with them? Yeah. Guys like the program. So far, the guys are buying in because a lot of the movements they're doing, especially in the loaded movement block, which I utilize, which can serve as an activation. A lot of it feels like they're just getting them ready for the, the game of basketball, which in my view was designed for that. But just knowing that I'm taking information that they're telling me and I'm not only just like listening to it, but I'm applying what they're telling me and knowing that, hey, I'm always going to check in on the feedback. Like, hey, like, what do you think? I try to be very democratic as possible. So the guys have been great and they've been doing everything I've been you know, asking. But knowing that as I learn your body, it's going to start to be more individualized. And once I start understanding your position, then I can start kind of customizing the load and movement slash functional block that kind of, kind of help you based on your position and what you need to be successful in your position on the floor to help create that transfer to the game. And, you know, I mentioned to a lot of guys, I'm looking to have more of this like loaded movement or these pre-lifts be more position specific, separate the bigs, the guards, and the wings, hopefully. So I think that's what creates the buy-in, just knowing that, you know, I'm not trying to put myself in a box. I'm not trying to put themselves in a box. I'm like actually learning, the, you know, I'm trying to watch their movements. I'm actually even learning the play. Like some of the guys on the side, I'm asking, hey, what's this play? And talking in terminology with them, especially what I learned from the NBA and just, you know, watching these guys perform certain cuts. Okay, what's the angle? What's the speed they need? And even like when guys make their moves, you know, a couple guys are saying, hey, that was that lead matrix we did. That's so fun when they can start seeing the transfer. They can see the work they're doing in the weight room and how it actually literally applies to a basketball move on the court. You know, so many of the strength coaches I talk to don't have the resources. You mentioned some of the technology piece. Their program, they might not have it or they're working with so many athletes. But 
I think what's cool about all the stuff you're touching on is that just requires a lot of care and thought on your side, but doesn't require a whole lot of fancy equipment to be able to sit down with someone and be able to find out what their goals are and to be able to watch them and see what movement patterns they do well and see areas of improvement. So I think any strength coach listening has to be pretty excited that even at the top level, that's not what you led with, which is the technology, the facility you led with the relationship side of things. That's what kind of drives me. I always put the athlete first. So whether if I'm looking at a course, whether I'm looking at a piece of technology or like, you know, reading a new book or, you know, just even like talking to yourself, other strength coaches, biggest takeaway, like, okay, the information I'm gathering, how can this better serve my athletes? It's not about me or my ego. It's about, hey, how can I get my guys where they need to be? Are there technologies that you have used in the NBA or ones that you have at Oregon that you really feel are central to your program? If you have a strength coach that's listening, that wants to do a good job with basketball specific strength conditioning, are there any technologies that you would suggest them looking into? One I would definitely suggest, and I'm a big fan of, is any form of VBT, like philosophy-based training. And, you know, I think the biggest thing philosophy-based training kind of gives us that immediate feedback. And from that immediate feedback, it drives intent for our athletes. You know, I had a lot of success with that at the NBA level where guys see themselves hitting a number on the gym where and they want to constantly hit that number, right? Because it makes like a ringing sound and it drives that intent. And I feel as all like whether a level you are, if it's like NBA or college or high school for that matter, you have a group of athletes and they're all working on is, you know, whether a Tendo, Gym aware BBT and one athlete's hitting the number, the next athlete wants to hit that number, then the next athlete wants to hit that number. So it creates this, you know, competitive environment where it's not only driving the intent, but guys are having fun and creates a great training atmosphere. So I would say like BBT is a big component. Um force plate, because I just love the information force plate provides and allows you to see not only what type of force they output, but the strategy they use to get into these jumps. Because one of my guys is very explosive, right? But he uses a quick stretch shortening cycle to get there, where like basically help him create more depth. He's already athletic. He can unlock a whole nother level of athleticism from just individualizing his training because from the information we got from the first place. So but I think the biggest technology I would recommend just based on my experiences and the benefits and bang for your buck is any velocity-based training unit or tool. You know, I was thinking about your experience with multiple NBA teams and being able to see the greatest basketball athletes in the world from all over the world and seeing them at that high level. And now you're at the college level where you have guys aspiring to get there. What are some of the things that you're going to focus on with your guys to be able to help prepare them for that next level? Really help them understand how training is important and how training can kind of help with not only their availability, but just their longevity. But I think the biggest thing people don't understand what it takes to make it at that level, I think is, is the mentality. Good training is good training. There's a lot of talented strength coaches in the NBA. There's a lot of talented strength coaches in the collegiate high school levels. But I think talent only gets you so far, but I think helping these guys understand the mentality and the biggest thing I've tried to preach these guys since day one, since I individually met these guys, I always talked about professional habits, doing something you say you're going to do, being on time, effective communication, just doing the little things, doing the little things when nobody sees them, you know, doing the little things you don't want to do. That's what's going to get you at that next level, right? Biggest thing, like you can get there, but the hardest thing is staying there 
And one of the biggest things I told these guys was you're not going to have somebody like me hold them accountable when they're, when they're up there. Like they basically got to either find themselves, you know, habits in place to kind of work when nobody else is looking, doing a little things, but then also have to realize like that everybody I'm working with, especially at the collegiate level, is going to play professionally. So taking those professional habits and applying to the work lives, right? Whether it's, you know, working corporate jobs somewhere or even getting into coaching, just taking those same habits and come carrying over after your playing career is over with Oregon. Big part is what we do in the weight room, but the biggest part is how we can shape this, shape their mentality, shape their focus. That's what's going to kind of keep them playing for a long time, you know, just having a good training balance, being a pro, like having those professional habits, just being a pro. That's what I call it. That's so funny. That's the same advice when I talk with my little kids that want to be able to do something at the next level. My oldest son is going to be a freshman in high school, and he has this dream of playing college basketball. And those are the things I talk to him about is not even the stuff on the basketball court, but the mentality and the focus and the intentionality, the being present. Because I think if that is your foundation, then when basketball is going to be over for him at some point, whether it's over in high school or college or whatever, but those are the skills he's going to take to his next job, the next career, to his family, whatever that is. And so I love hearing you at the highest level, being able to say those are the most important things, not a 40 inch vertical or uh, your ability to be a dead eye shooter. So I love how those principles kind of transcend. It's huge, man. It's, it's great hearing you distill that into your son now. But I think that's the biggest thing I see missing with some of these guys are super talented that get there, but they just can't get it right. You know, it determines like they can't figure it out. And sometimes it takes them. I've seen situations where it takes guys going from one team to another team, trying to take them going up and down the G League or even going overseas to really figure it out. Because like once you know your NBA life is at risk, then you almost kind of go into survival mode, fight or flight. But it's like, why get to that point? Why not just do everything right? Some of the conversation I have with guys, some of these guys have to understand, like, if you reach that, like, you may not be a star. You may go in and be a star, but you got to go into mindset, like, hey, like, I may not, but how do I stay for 10 plus years? Like, and I told some of you guys, man, it's coach, when I was working in the G League, had this term and I never forget it, but like, it's okay being vanilla. You know, vanilla gets paid. It's okay being plain. I see guys get deals for just, being a good locker room guy, being a good pro, just being on time, working hard. Set an example for like the franchise player who just got drafted. You know, just being almost like the adult in a room. Because then these guys know, like, if you find yourself in that position and you want to extend your career, just understanding those roles and just being a star in your role too. You know, it's another term I took away from that, that level. Well, going back to the high school and taking it back to the functional training piece is we know the mentality is so important, but we have high school athletes that want to be able to play at an organ one day. Hopefully, if they're good enough, they'll actually come to Gonzaga, but no, that's a little trash talk. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I love it. I love it. I would, I would love to be able to give them some insights on what are some things they could be doing in the weight room if they want to really be functional for the game of basketball. Any tips or ideas of exercises they should be implementing in their workout program? I think the biggest thing before we even talk about exercises for young athletes, especially high school athletes, is they need to be able to follow directions and be coachable. If you're not paying attention or, or doing what you're told or you know, messing around, that's where injuries happen, not because of lifting, but because you're in an environment where you're horse playing, that's where that's what poses the most risk. I think first and foremost, you need to be able to follow directions and be coachable. But it's, you know, to answer that question, I think 
just really mastering the basics, mastering being able to squat well, lunge well, hinge, and going into a pivot, you know, jumping well, being able to push pull well, you know, performing a reach, doing those well, mastering those movements, and then mastering those in all three planes of motion. And then, you know, obviously just mastering the body weight. Then once you master the body weight, then moving it to like external load, whether it be barbell, dumbbell, medicine ball. But I think just mastering the control in our bodies first, and then master the movements controlling the load. You can't get to either of those, or first, if you can't be coachable, if you can't like listen to what your coach is saying and follow directions. So I think that's the biggest thing I want to just tackle, especially with youth athletes, because you know, sometimes people go from complex but they don't master simple. So I think we got to go simple first. And once you master simple, then challenge that, then go into what's more complex. But all that being said, like biggest thing, like you can't do any of that in the weight room if you can't follow direction to be coachable. No, and I just think that needs to be said because they're going to be on social media and they're going to see all the advanced stuff first without mastering the basics. And so they're going to think they go to level 10 before they can even go to level one, which is can you follow directions and so I think it's it's definitely worth being said again. Are there any other myths that you might think of? You've got to see now at the college level, the D1 level, and of course you've been at the NBA, the G League. What are some of the training myths that you think that people might have that you could dispel because you pull back the curtain and kind of live that life? Especially at the high level, there's always a stigma of like NBA players not training or not wanting to lift. I think that's a complete myth. Those guys at the level that love to train that are strong and lift heavy. And, you know, I was fortunate to work with two 10 year plus vets during my time with the jazz and what they found beneficial for them in their, in their life cycle and their current stage of the career was lifting before games. So a lot of times I had them just go through six to eight exercises, you know, go one time through, but it's like moderate to heavy. And I think that's just the biggest myth you was like you said, where, Oh, they don't think, these guys like to train oh like these guys aren't physical like no like these guys love to train some of these guys train heavy there's one time there's a couple of times where i will pass a weight to a guy and he'll get mad at me like yo give me that heavier one i'm like oh my bad like so i think that's just a myth in there but no like they get after it at the level they do and like, i just look at like our calendar and we just kind of track everybody's like lifts you know throughout the month and i mean as strength coach at the time we would just like talk amongst us like, yeah, like these guys are like they're training man like we're getting them in and even like post game post game lifts are a major thing up that the level because it, it allows for a true off day so you want to master stress of the court with a, a heavy lift you typically post game where it allows your body fully recovered and get those adaptations where you just stay ready and fresh and just get that tissue tolerance another thing i think wanted to spell was like the game's not physical like no, like the NBA game is very physical. Like basketball is a physical sport, but at that level, it's like it's a livelihood. So it's like how do you put food on the table? So like it's it, it, none of these guys are soft. They're strong, powerful athletes that love to train and physical. I would totally agree with you. And I never got to play in the NBA at any era, let alone you know in the '90s or now. But I got to play against a guy two weeks ago who's a slender guard who's had like a 10-day contract in the NBA. And anyone would think, oh, he's not very strong. You know, of course, now he lifts. He is really strong. But we met at the basket. He lowered his shoulder into me. Now, granted, I'm old, but I flew across the whole gym. <laughs> and, you know, everyone in the crowd would look at this player and say, oh, he look how skinny he is weak. And I'm like, 
these dudes, not only are they strong, they understand body angles and timing. And anyone that says yeah. the game is not physical is obviously not been on the court with them. Exactly. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can our listeners find out more about you? I'm very active on Instagram. So if anybody wants to follow or just, you know, shoot me a message, picking my brain on some things, my handle is CliffSpillerCSCS on Instagram. I'm on Twitter as well, but not too much posting. I mean, I, I, if you want to learn about some good hip hop recommendations, like my handle on Twitter is CSpiller at CSCS. But um, if you want to reach out to me, the best way is just through Instagram. I mean, I'm, I'm always open to people picking my brain, whether it's AFS, you know, my time in the NBA, or how can I find myself in a position to work in the NBA. I'm, my message is always open to help the next generation of coaches to achieve their goals so if it's working in the NBA or you know working in a high major college or even expanding their toolbox learning more about AFS I'm I'm always willing to pay it forward well, I love that and by hearing your story the way to do it is just don't take no for an answer and keep on going I'm so excited to watch your success at Oregon and it's fun to have you on the west coast we had great catching up with you great man appreciate that now that's a wrap on episode 108 and I hope you join me next month to follow along with the Hooptown Youth League journey. We've got some cool ideas that we're implementing, and I'd love to keep you updated. If this youth league speaks to you, and you want to volunteer to help make it better, please reach out to me at mike at hoopcommitment.com. And to all of you who are committed, we'll earn your X.